Welcome to the Self-Publishing Queen podcast. My name is Josiane Fortin and I'm a self-published author. I'm obsessed with helping and motivating writers to publish their books and share their gift with the world. My goal with this podcast is to inspire you to take action and be the writer you want to be. Let's go! Hello writers, I'm Jan Fortin and today I'm interviewing Sama Morningstar. Sama has self-published one book called Goddess, Lovers and Dreams, Alchemical Poetry. So please tell us what this book is about. It sounds so intriguing. Thank you. Well, um, this isn't actually my first self-published book. It's just the first one that was on Amazon, like the, the, okay. for you know global distribution. Um, I used to hand publish, like actually, you know, take my hand typed pages to the copy shop, copy them out, arrange them, hole punch, make a make a cover with homemade paper and a manila folder and, you know, print out, you know, cut out little titles and glue it on with. <laughs> I used to so how many books do you have? Tie it around, tie it all up with straight with twine you know with a string on yeah. it you know <laughs> so I did two like that and I used to sell them at newsstands okay. um, but I I haven't made one of any of those in a long time I think I have one still uh, sitting around somewhere <laughs> yeah and have you I recycled that content like don't you want to recycle the content you know the 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 poetry that I wrote in the goddesses lovers and dreams book I really went through a lot of transformation. So yes, there are some of the poems in my older books that I might consider, and I still have the original, um, those, those original writings that might be included in an anthology or something. But the Goddesses, Lovers and Dreams book poetry, was um, I was writing that across the span of huge transformation and change and growth for myself. So that that's, the poetry that felt really juicy for me to to publish and it's like a, a big it's pretty fat book <laughs> it's, you know the others were little skinny little books um, but this one was lots of rich material of you know looking at my dreams connecting with the goddess like the feminine uh, aspect of the divine for the first time in my life I'd always been taught about you know the more masculine aspects of of the divine all, all the religious upbringing i had had was around that and didn't size any anything feminine being divine right and so learning about that was hugely transformative for me and it's fundamental to my work now so those poems were all about the transformation process that went on for me over the course of maybe 15 20 years yeah of really integrating that experience of of the the feminine is also a source of divine guidance and one that actually has a lot to to um, teach us and give us and help us to heal from the detrimental effects of this long-term domination of um, the masculine over the feminine that's been yeah. going on that we've been experimenting with that isn't turning out so well um, and that we need to come back into partnership between these polarities instead of mm -hmm. thinking one is dominant, better, you know. Right. 
and creator. is it because you wrote the book that you got inspired to start a business around that or is it the business that brought you to write the book very good question i've been an entrepreneur my whole life and um i while i was writing that book book was when i was doing the preparation for my current business simultaneously i was studying holistic healing i was i was in massage school i was studying massage therapy and i was having my own spiritual awakening around that that oh my goodness i i was connecting with my body for the first time more so than ever like i thought i was connected to my body but suddenly I was having a whole new experience of that. I was connecting to my spirit, to my soul more than I ever had at, at the same time as connecting with these goddesses that were coming to me. I, I that book started out because I, a um, journal book, you know, we used to have bookstores. Okay. You use bookstores. <laughs> that's where you would get books. So. Yeah. <laughs> <Back in> the days. <laughs> You still can find an odd bookstore here and there, but most people, you know, I live out in the, out in the woods. And so I get my books online now, but back then, um, I would go to a bookstore and books would fall off the shelf into your hand. Those of you who still go to bookstores might un understand this. If you've not been to shopping at bookstores, you might want to try it. You go in and a book will fall off the shelf into your hand and refuse to go back on the shelf. This is a very common. Yeah, I've heard that before. This never happened to me. I go to no. libraries all the time. Well, before the pandemic, I used to go into library. I guess I'm not connected like you are. Oh, uh, this only happened to me. This is the only time in my life that that's happened. Okay. And this was a journal book. It was, I can't even remember the title of the book. I think I have it on my bookshelf. The, the, it was spiral bound, right? It's because it's a journal and the front page has fallen off, torn, you know, and it's like totally, because it was these beautiful paintings of goddesses from different cultures around the world with a little blurb at the top of the next page. Um, about the goddess very limited no big mythologies no stories just like you know the culture that she's from what her name means and what jewelry she's wearing like because the paintings had like very specific um appropriate clothing or jewelry in them that that was like representing archaeological actual archaeological art items so this it was the paintings were well researched and and here it was and um, I just started writing out these conversations with these goddesses and, you know, this wasn't unprecedented for me because when I was um, being raised in Christianity, I really engaged with the, um, with the Bible in that same way where I, I would have journals and I would read passages of the Bible. This was this approach to Bible study that I was taught. And I would, read a, I would be reading a passage in the Bible and I would write in my journal one verse from the Bible. And then I would write reflections, prayers, insights about that verse. Use that technique to, to do your writing for with the goddesses. Exactly. Even though I didn't have a Bible, I didn't have a text, I only had these pictures and the briefest of descriptions. 
And I had, I had also um, started to attend, you know, feminine spirituality events where they, they would have a ritual out in the woods, you know, friends where we had a circle where we would, so I got, ex, I got exposed to Wiccan spirituality. Um, so but all was, those activities inspired your exactly. poetry. Right. And, how, and, and yeah. uh, but the massage therapy training was also part of that. So that all of that was preparation and growth. And that's where a lot of that, that book got written. Okay. Was, and how yeah. long did it take you to write the full book? Because you said it was pretty thick. Yeah, I think the poetry in there spans over the, the course of maybe 15 or 20 years. Um, because and but there was, there was a good 10 year period in there where I wasn't writing as much because I got into yoga because writing before that had been my, my primary healing process, right? And then I got more into the body and the somatic part of healing. And then um, I left the ashram that I had helped build and then started to do more writing again. So it came back. And that was always my experience. It would come and go, come and go. And then that's after all of that, that's when I realized, okay, I need to publish this book. And I had tried to before, sent it to a publisher back before self-publishing like was a thing. And, um, and was rejected. And I'm not the kind of author that could send it in a million times and collect rejection letters. That was just like, never doing that again for me, you know? You got one rejection? <laughs> one rejection. And that okay. was it. I was done. And then self-publishing. My mom was like, I just self she She told me she self-published her, her husband's book and they were making $700 a, a month on it uh, because he wrote a book about Vietnam. And I guess he's in all these communities talking, you know, vets, Vietnam vets and, and other kind of war vets talking about the war. And she had did it. She did it for him. She uploaded it. She did the whole thing. So I'm like, okay, mom, help me with mine. I had was it printed up on paper. All my doc, I typed it up back when I got rejected. And this is now 10 years later. Yeah. And so I'd had to take photos and convert them to a dot because I'd lost the computer that I okay. that way back then, right? So I took all these photos <laughs> and published it. And my husband um, drew the art art on the cover. That's fun. Yeah. And like from that experience, do you feel like you have advice that you would like to share with people who are looking to self-publish? Well, I'm learning a lot more now because I've I'm. Um, in the process of publishing my second book that self-published that will be available print on demand internationally and it's called herbal womb wellness and it's a workbook do you have a launch date yet i'm gonna actually i'm planning on starting the pre-sales which will help me support help support my editing and formatting costs because what i did learn from having my mom do the first one <laughs> is that it's better, it's good to have a professional, you know, like she did her best to format it. But if you have anything tricky, like a poetry book, it's a little tricky to get each poem to start on a new page. And so, and then a workbook too, I want certain things on certain pages and I don't want it to be like half the page is on one page and you know, so right. having, hiring a professional designer and pro um, formatter is going to be something that I need to plan for to have money saved up, or I'm going to do a little fundraising too, to um, be able to pay for that kind of professional help so that the book 
looks like. Like my poetry book, I need to do some editing and pay for a formatter for that before I feel super confident to promote it because it's not quite how I'd like it to be. Okay. And so <clears throat> people still want to read it and, you know, a few people have purchased it, but if I were really going to promote it, I would want to, you know. Yeah. Upgrade. So you want to upgrade it a little bit, yeah. upgrade the look of it before you yeah. start promoting it more. Exactly. And I didn't think I would care about that, but I do. <laughs> And, and, you know, new public, new authors might not think that that matters so much, but if you get your first book back and you're like, oh gosh, I guess we didn't really edit it that well. And how did that get in it? Gosh, and the pages don't quite line up quite right. And it doesn't quite look right. Hmm. And then the book is just sitting over there and you're not putting it out there, you know? Yeah. So you need to it, love it to sell it. Yeah, sure. you have to love it and feel really good about it. And so that's what I learned. I was like, it's better to be done than perfect, right? So get it out there, which is good. Now I have a published book. It's better to be done than perfect, but I'm not promoting it. Yeah, but at least you learn a lot. You learn more doing it imperfectly than not doing it at all. Exactly. It, it got momentum because now I know what some of the steps are. And I, and I also encourage people to find support and, and um, get into other groups and workshops. I took a workshop with a group of people online uh, with, a, with an author who'd done really well, self-publishing author. And she went through all these different possibilities and options and um, she, from a perspective that I could really resonate with. So I encourage people to look for um, self-publishing educational programs. And I have another one that I'm planning on taking next year for another book not the one that I'm publishing this year, but the one I'm planning to publish after that. And it, it'll be a year long program because that's more of an, my book, the, the next book is going to be more substantial. This workbook is uh, maybe <clears throat> 250 pages, whereas the, uh, and that's a workbook. So it's not all text. A lot of it is yeah. journal pages and check boxes and, you know, different things like that from a, from a template that a, a workbook template. But this other book is going to be more of a literary book. And so that's going to take some more time and it has a lot of pages. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about, like, my next question was about the hardest thing about becoming a self-published author. And you did say that the editing part, like mm -hmm. how to place everything in the right place mm -hmm. was hard. But is there something else that you say was hard about becoming a self-published author? I think editing in general, general. So there's editing and there's formatting. So the formatting is what puts everything in the right place. And I don't even know how to do that. So basically the hard part about that is actually saying, I need to invest some money to hire somebody who knows how to do this to do it well, mm -hmm. or, you know, take a class to learn how to do it myself because I'm good at figuring things out, but I, you know, I've tried to read like the formatting guidelines on self-publishing print on demand websites. And it's like another language, my eyes get crossed, you know, and I'm a pretty <laughs> smart lady. <laughs> and so it's like, what did these terms even mean? So you'd have to take like a college level class even <laughs> to even figure out how to do all that. And so that's the hard part is feeling like, okay, self-publishing sounds great, but there's some aspects to it that are, you know, you really have to learn how to do. Um, and then the editing itself though, like actually going back and proofreading everything actually for my poetry, like I'm the kind of poet, I, a poem comes to me, it all comes out, I'm done with it. Maybe as I'm typing it up later, I'll adjust a word here or a word there but I'm not going back and reworking it until, you know, it's not happening. 
the poem it's got the the moment is done it's over. yeah you know for the moment that was something you wanted to say at that precise time and you don't yeah. want to alter it by going back and changing no. No, and, and my approach to poetry, it's not an intellectual thing. It's a feeling thing. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a channeling of the soul. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a birth and it has a life of its own. And, you know, I, yeah. So the editing was challenging because I hadn't really ever done that with my poetry. Now I know that going back and just doing proofreading, I'm not going back to change the poetry. I just need to make sure that in the final document it's you know not having misspellings or right you know my mom like th you know thinking that the word i meant was this when really what i meant was that you know yeah <laughs> so um so that that's hard and and uh, in the literary book in the workbook that's kind of easier because it's not as intense but in the in the literary book the, my, one of my um writing your book mentors talks about how um like stephen king talks about how you write your first draft and then be prepared because you're in the editing process you're going to scrap 80 percent of it yeah we have to rewrite a lot like in my experience i do rewrite a lot but i just don't scrap like 80 percent of it but i do right. rewrite like a hundred percent of it are you right re rewrite the whole thing on the side yes the yes for sure draft. like many times many many times uh -huh. I'm wondering, like, um, how do you plan to promote your new book? Do you have a marketing plan for that? So I'm going to do a pre-sale campaign. And um, what I'm kind of leaning towards to start, uh, well, first of all, the book will be part of my online program. So I have uh, several online courses that the book will be included for new students. So they'll need to purchase, or it will be included in the price of the program. Um, and and i may have like a book club where they can just purchase the book and then be involved in working through it together with others but i'm not adding a whole lot of, of guidance you know hand holding it can be a do-it-yourself kind of a book club um, and i've also proposed that other um, feminine empowerment book clubs host my book as their book of the month or whatever and I yeah, that would be awesome for you to get talk. more customers exactly and so I have several people that lined up for that that I'm gonna put you know share the pre-purchase campaign in their groups and say okay in January or February whenever you guys want to do it and if you pre-purchase my book now you're really supporting me and I'm happy to you know come in because you did that and give a bonus talk or bonus handholding, you know. That's uh, such a good idea. I love that. Yeah. So that's that's part of my plan for now. And then it'll just be an ongoing thing where, um, you know, I'll be doing introductory workshops and summits and this and that. And I'll be mentioning my, you know, because I'm not just promoting my book. I'm promoting yeah. my whole business. And this book is like the handbook. Yeah, it's a piece of trainings. of your business. And that's the like one of the workshops I took about marketing a book was all about that. You, there's all these different ways like she sent she gave us a document of 100 different ways to sell your book or to make money with your book. And you know, some of them were about doing talks and showing up for different events and having a copy of your book on everybody's seat. And giving a lot of books away 
is the way that you do it, you know, so you're getting paid to do the talk and everybody gets a book or, yeah. you know, you're, everybody's buying the book and, and then you don't get paid for the talk. You tell people, oh, you know, the organization here, if you get everyone to buy my book, then I'll speak for free or, you know, just different deals like that. So that's yeah, where I got very, That's very interesting to have different, different business models around the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of my mentors talks about how the book becomes your calling card for your business. Yes. So she always has, she says she always has a hundred books ready to go so she can send them out. Like, you know, I'm thinking of when I have podcasts get, when I'm a guest on people's podcast, I've, I've had guests on my podcast about their book and then they send me a complimentary copy of their book. And the one person who did that, I talk to people all the time because their, their book is complimentary to my business. Yes. And I'm constantly talking to clients and picking up her book and say, I really recommend you get a copy of this book. Not because I'm trying to sell her book, but because it has the, the quality of content and the information in it compiled in one place. And that's why she sent me the book because she knew I'd be doing that just automatically <laughs> because of what she got to know me and what my work is about. So our work is, you know, so collaborating with, um, the collaboration is my whole business model. So collaborating with other practitioners in the yeah. similar but complementary um, lines of work with similar businesses. So I'm going to be reaching out to all the people that I've been interviewing on my podcast and like that and saying, hey, um, will you present my book to your community? Do you want to do a book club uh, in in your community with with my book? And I'll come in and do a talk and, you know, just just reaching out to people like that. Yeah, I'm curious to know what your podcast is about and where what what is the name if people want to look it up. I actually have two podcasts. Um, okay. One is called Womb Centered Healing, and that's on uh, YouTube. Although I don't know if you'd find it on YouTube by searching that, you might just have to search Sama Morningstar on YouTube. And they're both both my podcasts on YouTube are under the same name, Sama Morningstar. Okay, so okay. the first one is called Womb Centered Healing. So some of them on there will be about that. And then the, and, and you can also get the audio podcast through Anchor and all the other audio podcast platforms. Uh, you should be able to find Womb Centered Healing. My second podcast is called Writing from the Womb. I interview authors on that one and I read excerpts from my poetry book and they read excerpts from their books and we have conversations based on that. And it's the whole sense that uh, there's, you know, a different place to be writing from, from our creative center that feels di very different than if we're writing intellectually. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And if people want to know more, um, can you share your website? Do you have social media? Yeah. So you can find me on social media at Sama Morningstar. Okay. Facebook, Instagram, although I'm more a Facebook person. My website is wombcenteredhealing.com. Awesome. I'll make sure to share those links in the show notes if you want yeah. to look at them. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was so much fun talking to you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to share it with me by leaving me a review. If you are ready to publish your book, let me take your hand in my course, How to Self-Publish on Amazon. 
I will show you every step you need to take to successfully go through the publishing process on the platform. Keep on writing!